There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I simply am not there. I wanna know what you're thinking. Tell me what's on your mind. Welcome to Now Playing's review of American Psycho 2. I think they even wrote a book about him. Only in America. Hosted by Arnie. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. Stuart. I know my uh, behavior can be erratic sometimes. And Jacob. I think I've identified this person as a textbook sociopath. This episode will contain detailed plot spoilers and strong language. Let's not get lewd. I'm in no mood for lewd conversation. We hope you enjoy the show. Now, listen. Listen very, very carefully. Today we're discussing a movie you may not even know exists. <laughs> and probably don't need to. American Psycho 2. All-American Girl. Is this like Chucky? <laughs> Those all-American girl dolls come to life? Start killing people? Better. Starring Mila Kunis. Told you. And William Shatner. <laughs> See? <laughs> Directed... <laughs> By Morgan Freeman. I, that That's the crazy thing. Morgan Freeman directed this. <laughs> Not, wouldn't that be awesome if it were that Morgan Freeman? I told my wife that. I'm like, this is directed by Morgan Freeman. How can you not like it? She's like, what? Are you serious? I'm like, well, Morgan J. Freeman. <laughs> uh, this is Arnie, the American podcasting psycho. And Stuart. And this is your textbook sociopath, Jacob. I don't know. Maybe I'm the sociopath. I'm the one who said, I watched American Psycho 2, and I think if somebody donated for American Psycho, we're not making a pattern of this. If you donate for one movie, you get one movie. I guess I'm pulling my pick here. The way, Jacob, you're getting cats later in the year. I chose American Psycho 2. What really makes you the sociopath is you've seen this before, and you wanted to see it again? Right. I watched this and I actually posted on Letterboxd, am I the only person in the world to have watched this movie twice? And somebody did reply and said, no, I've seen it twice as well, but we are a very small club. Yeah, it's already a small club if you've seen this film. You've seen it twice. Like, that, that is the elite there. Mm-mm. I'm not sure what that gets you, but <laughs> it's probably no surprise to anyone on the planet that this was a original script called The Girl Who Would Not Die, that Lionsgate in realizing that they made a little bit of profit, that the original American Psycho cost $7 million and made them about $30 million extra. Why don't we just slap that label on something we got lying around and we'll just call it American Psycho 2? 
Yeah, this film screams spec script. I'm like, that has to be the case with this one. Because, again, I'd never seen this one, never wanted to see it. (laughs) And so I'm like, let me watch the trailer. Let me just get a flavor for this. Half that trailer is just American Psycho. They're like, hey, remember this movie that was a cult hit and people liked? Here's a bunch of footage from that. Oh, and then, yeah, there was this character off screen that saw a murder and and she's going to become the next killer. It seems particularly cruel to Brett Easton Ellis, the author of the original novel. Did he get a check at least for this? No, no. We know that he travels in circles with people that have drug addiction. You know, like his story, clearly less than zero and all of that. He's he's struggling. Why do this to his baby? Why take his meal ticket? You know, with every line of dialogue, he's like reaching for a line of cocaine. This is just, (laughs) it seems mean. Does he have lawyers? Could he have sued? I did see an interview with him where he uh it was brought up what he thought of the film and the expression is priceless he was not happy and not told and not rewarded for this movie and i read an interview with mila who said that when she made this film she didn't know it was going to be a sequel to american psycho she'd signed on for a different film so that she signed on for the girl who would not die. Okay. So what do we know about that project? Anything? Like, well, I technically have seen this film three times as I sat through the commentary from Morgan J. Freeman. Okay. All right. What did he have to say? I think he feels very happy to be working on films. Oh, I did get a quote from him. I, I looked him up. I, it seems like most of his career now is producing those reality shows about pregnant teen mothers. But he did say that this came at a time when he had a lot of bills and it was good to have a paycheck. He does not disparage the film, nor does he praise the film. He talks a lot in very specifics about what it was like shooting in Canada and what it was like working with the actors and how they rearranged some of the scenes in post, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. But what I get from his lack of information, what he doesn't say is as important as what he does say. And what he doesn't say is anything about the girl who wouldn't die. So as I get it, they decided this was American Psycho 2 before giving it the 10 million budget and giving it the green light and brought in Morgan J. Freeman and said, you're directing American Psycho 2. So before a frame was shot, Mila knew what she was doing. Now, it might have been too late. The papers may have been signed. She couldn't change course. But I mean, she doesn't get to appear on screen with not Christian Bale. <laughs> like that is a different actor. They could have totally fooled her. I could see it. I could see that they could have shot a movie and said this isn't very good and then shot two scenes that made it American (laughs) Psycho 2. I thought so too, but that's not the way it's described by Morgan J. Freeman. They had a 20-day shooting schedule. He wants other guilty parties with it. He doesn't want to be the only guilty one. He's taking everyone down with them. No reshoots on this thing. I was wondering if there were second takes on it. (laughs) I don't think anybody cared enough. Let's play a game and pretend that it isn't American Psycho 2. What would this have been? Who was the appeal of this? This star, Mila Kunis, was in the middle of her run of that 70s show. Yeah, she wasn't a thing yet, really. I I mean... No! Has she ever been a thing? Is, I guess, my question. Mm Mm-hmm. She had Black Swan, and she got a ride on the back of that for a little bit, I think. I mean, Jupiter Ascending, where she could have fucked a dog. I'm trying not to damn her, (laughs) but yes, she did that awful thing. 
But she had Forgetting Sarah Marshall. She was very good in that. She had the Bad Moms movie she's really good in. She does a lot of voiceover work for television. She's on Family Guy. I didn't realize that. But looking at her resume, she's been a part of that as long as she's been with that 70s show. Yeah, she's the daughter, Meg. Yeah, so I think she is a respected and known actress, I think especially maybe to the millennials a few years younger than us. They may really like her more. I mean, yeah, we did review her with Max Payne and Jupiter Ascending, but I think... Yeah, Jacob, you mentioned Black Swan. I bet that's the jewel in her crown. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Bad Moms, or those are good movies. And I really liked her in Ted. I find her to be affable. I hated her on that 70s show, which is actually, I say, a credit to her, because I hated her character so much that I thought I hated her. Yeah, she's like the stuck-up character, right? Yeah, and so when I started seeing her in other things, I realized she wasn't her character, and I've actually come to like her in stuff. Mm. Oh, well, that's good. That'll help this movie a little bit. I guess my point is that I feel like if you thought about that TV show, it was Ashton Kutcher. It was anybody else, really, on that show. Fez. It was all about Fez. That's all I remember from it. Fez. (laughs) Anyone would have been more appealing. You would get them for the sequel to American Psycho before you would focus on Mila Kunis. She just seems like a weird choice. I'm not sure where she was in her life that she wanted. Maybe she just wanted a, a movie of her own. Like Morgan Freeman she wanted a paycheck she had bills to pay yeah well this is when she was really starting film work in general i think this might have been her second movie ever right that's exactly what i mean is like ashton has the butterfly effect and i want my thing and this is as good as it can be Shatner is more understandable. I mean, yeah. What wouldn't he do? At this point in his career, I feel like he was comfortable being a punchline, right? Like he Priceline ads and playing himself in music videos and movies. I feel like he knew his camp reputation and played into it. Yeah, there's a schlock horror film. I'm not surprised Shatner is there. What did surprise me is that this man is 90 years old. Did you know that? Yeah. Right now or in this film? Yeah, right now. He turned it the other day. Wow, 90? He's a 70-year-old man making this movie. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. His later career has been not so bad. I mean, definitely he had his down times, especially when he started to direct. But I think of his 2000s, you know, Miss Congeniality, he was good in. If you saw the TV show, and I know so few people did, Boston Legal... I love him as Denny Crane. I never thought he could actually pull off a true dramatic performance. I thought he had just gone off into the land of camp. But two years after this, he would do four years on Boston Legal. Amazing work with that. So he can act. And you say it's no surprise that he's here. And I'll agree that he is willing to parody himself once he got in his 60s and beyond. But why is he here Just because he's willing to parody himself doesn't mean he took every paycheck that was thrown his way. Are you sure about that? Yeah. (laughs) Clearly, this is evidence for that case. This is straight to video too, right? This didn't come out in a theater, did it? No. Of course not. Yes, of course. It was knocked out. We're talking about the original movie came out in 2000. Two years later, maybe, you know, 26 months. No one was expecting it. No one would have noticed it. And nobody was looking for these stars to be in a movie. No, the whole reason I even noticed it, as I mentioned last show, I'd been interested in revisiting the first one. I'm paging through my TiVo menu. I see this is 
it I'm like, that exists? I thought it was a much more recent movie when I watched it. I had no idea it was back in 2002. I thought it might be in 2015 or something with Mila Kunis. Well, that is the thing. It does feel like nowadays... I turn around and I'm like, they made a backdraft too? Like, they're raiding... They did? Yeah, believe it or not, these things that you thought were dead popular movies of 30 years ago suddenly are franchises. And there are, I can't tell you how many sniper movies they've made, you know, like the Billy Zane Tom Berenger sniper series. Like, yeah, these things that were barely hits become their own little franchise. I guess this was on the cutting edge of that, that American Psycho was maybe the first property to be turned into a completely thoroughly unnecessary sequel involving no one from the original that made it good. You were the first horror, Mila. <laughs> so, obviously, no hope that this is going to honor anything about the original. My thoughts completely are, can it be entertaining on its own merits? Obviously, it has little to do with American Psycho, and that's okay with me. Just want to point out, I didn't recommend the movie last week, ultimately. They want to go in a different direction? Yeah, this one's got clear narrative and motivation, Stuart, so I'm sure you loved it. I Let's find out all about the plot, Arnie. Hit us, and we'll get through All-American Girl. If you saw Rachel Newman walking on campus, you'd think she's an All-American Girl, played by Mila Kunis. Only her choice to study serial killers, with the goal of being an FBI profiler, might clue you into a damaged past. In fact, as a young child, this girl killed Patrick Bateman. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) I mean... She and her babysitter had been caught by Bateman, and while Bateman slaughtered the babysitter, the young girl snuck up behind Bateman and stabbed him to death. This led to her lifelong fascination with serial killers. Now in college, she has a 4.0 average, and she hopes to win the teacher's assistant position for Professor Robert Starkman, played by William Shatner. His TAs almost always get accepted at the FBI Academy in Quantico. Several other students also seem primed to get the role as well, especially Cassandra Blair, played by Lindy Booth, who's sleeping with the old professor. So our protagonist goes on a killing spree, literally killing the competition. One student gets an ice pick in the head, another's choked to death with a condom, but for Cassandra, she makes the murder look like a suicide done because of her affair with Starkman. She also starts therapy with school shrink Eric Daniels, played by Jarrett Wynn Davies. She starts to mess with the psychiatrist's head. He finds her to be psychotic and warns Starkman to beware one of his students. But Starkman is emotionally destroyed when he finds Cassandra's body, and when the protagonist goes to visit him, she messes with his head until he walks backwards out a window to his death. She also kills several witnesses. She gathers the corpses in her car, but while driving, she's chased by the cops. They were alerted to her acts by Daniels. During the chase, she throws out Starkman's body, and when the police and Daniels get out to inspect the body, her car tries to ram them. They jump out of the way, but the car goes off a cliff and explodes. We then jump a couple years later, and Daniels is at Quantico giving a lecture. He wrote a book based on this serial killer, but then the woman he knew as Rachel comes to get her book autographed. We see in flashback that the Mila Kunis character killed the real Rachel and took her place on campus. She then killed everyone in a very obvious way, but the actual goal was to kill Starkman and Starkman's current TA, Elizabeth McGuire, and then make it look like the killer died in a car crash. At Quantico, the woman took McGuire's identity and has become a hotshot FBI agent. 
Daniels is left speechless by these revelations, and we're left speechless by this movie as <laughs> credits roll. Yep, and sure enough, they're going to have some guy. It ain't Christian Bale, nope. but when this thing is starting, there's a guy in a clear rain jacket and gloves and got the knife. Shot from the back of the head. We'll never see his face. Yep. No, you do see his face. Later on, you will see his face briefly. You do for a second, and it is not Christian Bale. (laughs) No. It is not Christian Bale, and I just wonder, if this choice hadn't been made, would they ever have made a sequel to that? I feel like, obviously, Christian Bale's career took off, maybe not even at this time, but he was doing interesting indie work, and he would be Batman in a few years. You would want to keep Patrick Bateman, is I guess my argument. Why would you want to switch it to some little girl that's going to go study criminology? You would want to keep it a yuppie. That was my guess, and that's why I had to watch this. I'm like, are they getting William Shatner to play Patrick Bateman? Like, did they jump from the 80s to modern day and it's Shatner? (laughs) Wow. Wow. That was literally where my head was at when I turned this on, and I thought Mila Kunis might be, like, the victim he wants to kill most. Mm-hmm. But I agree with what you're saying, Stuart. Like, okay, this is gonna be about yuppie culture or, you know, the 1%, but from a female perspective, all-American girl. But no, it's not that at all. There's no themes here. <laughs> There are themes. Yeah, she's not going to go into banking. You know, she's a little girl in the 80s, I guess, when this happened, or the early 90s. No, she says she's 18. She's 12 here in these flashbacks. I haven't quite figured out the timeline. Yeah, did this kill? Well, it would have to take place after the first American Psycho. Like, he just kept on killing, I guess. Yes, I guess he didn't reform. So this is the mid-90s then. Obviously, if the movie is taking place in the early 2000s, then six years before, it was probably time to kill Patrick Bateman in the Clinton era. <laughs> he got away with it for all that time, and he would have gotten away with it again if it weren't for that darn kid. Yeah, she's with her babysitter? We're going to find out later on, very confusingly, the babysitter was a student at this school. Correct. And was studying criminal profiling. Yes. And sleeping with William Shatner. <laughs> yes, And William Shatner was still working at the FBI. Yes. And thus had top secret files on Patrick Bateman because he was one of America's most wanted criminals. Yeah, I mean, you definitely do an America's most wanted episode on him. He seemed really easy to find if a babysitter could find him. Well, that's the thing is the babysitter was so good. She, with these files, found him and didn't wait till the night she wasn't babysitting to go. Yeah, or wanted to use the baby. Like, I don't know how you have a babysitting date. That's strange. But we're told, yeah, she lured him into a trap by going on this date with him, but bringing on uh, on her babysitting charge. Like, no one's going to know this little girl killed Patrick Bateman. Like, she leaves. I assume she goes home to her parents. And, like, they would have known she was with a babysitter that night. Just start putting the pieces together. Shatner should retire from the FBI, not because he's traumatized <laughs> that Bateman's dead, but that he couldn't solve this case. It's so obvious. These parents are pretty out of it when we meet them later in the movie. I don't know that they'd really put two and two together too well. But it's very unbelievable that the babysitter was slaughtered. She killed Bateman from the behind, 
and then she got home and nobody ever put it together. I mean, that's the the way it's played. This is an opening prologue. We're supposed to think that, like, she spent years on shrinks couches, but she goes, oh, I didn't want that, so I just didn't tell anybody. Yeah, that's how it works. You just repress it all. I even took it a second level. We see in this scene, as she's approaching Patrick Bateman from behind, the babysitter is still alive. I think she killed both of them. I think that we're to understand her homicidal instincts started here and, and that she intentionally killed her babysitter as well. You, you thought more about this film than I did, Stuart. Or that any, the, the screenplay writer did, the director. You've just thought about this film more than anyone. I don't want to think about it at all. Truthfully, having listened to the commentary, I'll agree you've thought about it more than the director. But <laughs> I did wonder that myself, because in the Bateman scene, you see the babysitter struggling. The second time we see the flashback, babysitter dead. But this movie revels in showing us everybody the Mila Kunis character kills. So I don't think the movie would have played it coy. Well, they show us everyone she kills. They don't got no money to show the kills, though. Right. And as they set it up, we're supposed to think that surviving Patrick Bateman has made her want to stop serial killers, not put her on the path of being one. So I think for the first act of this movie, you're not to suspect that she's the person in the hoodie going around killing. Oh, we're not supposed to suspect her at all? Well, I don't know, but maybe (laughs) it's Scream is the model and she's Nev Campbell. I figured out the first time when we see a person in a hoodie who it has to be. Of course. Everyone figures it out, but I'm wondering if they were hoping... They'd create confusion by disguising the killer in a hoodie for the first kill. And they do put other suspects in that hoodie. Rather than being so clever, they should probably just have, since everything is going to be voiceover narrated and we're going to get everything from this perspective of Rachel Newman or... Oh my God, so much voiceover narration. Just the whole first half hour, I think, is just told to us. I don't think they can afford to film it, so they just had Mila Kunis say it. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's awful sound recording, too. I I had to crank the volume really, really high. I couldn't even (laughs) hear what she was saying, but... Thank you. I'm really starting to think my ears were going, because with the couple of those home invasion movies, I turned on subtitles, and here I was again. I'm like, I have to turn on the subtitles. I do not understand some of the things she's saying. Yes. I have to ask, so the the whole premise of this is she wants to become a teaching assistant (laughs) to Starkman. (laughs) Yes. uh, Because that's going to help her get into the FBI, and uh, Stuart, I think you've mentioned you were a TA like a film school is Mm -hmm. it this competitive I had no idea the world of TAs was like this cutthroat Mm -hmm. you don't know how many times I had to cut a bitch yeah (laughs) for sure and look at my row of Oscars because I got to be one yeah um, you know obviously just like the original maybe another way that this feels like a sequel of the same piece is that there is a campy farcical quality this is a comedy I do would not call this a horror movie or even a slasher movie this is yet again hmm, I'm going to use the word but I don't know if I believe it a satire <laughs> of something no, don't say it. This is a dumb comedy. It is not satire. Okay, okay, you're right. It's a comedy in which the joke is that even though we're supposed to think that she's a good girl trying to stop serial killers, she's so deluded in her blind ambition, she's willing to kill like one. That's a joke. And I don't think we are to treat that as anything other than farce. It's not exactly the same pitch of comedy as last time, but it's broad in that way. 
Heathers was something I was thinking about. Yeah, last time I was thinking about Heathers. This time I'm thinking about American Pie, the murder version. I mean, <laughs> yes. Mm, yeah, American Pie is another good reference. I kept referencing the CW, like mm. Brian, one of the competitors, looks like someone off Dawson's Creek. Like It just has a low rent CW TV vibe. I did think he was Joshua Jackson for like five minutes. <laughs> yes, he looks like him. And you know, music was so important to the movie last week. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It was all about like how these campy pop songs can be overanalyzed and turn into personal killing spree theme songs and what have you. How impersonal and just retro. Like it just made me be like, oh, there was a time when this kind of aggro female grunge would have been popular. And it would have been. Well, yeah, every song they pick has the perfect line to punctuate what's going on in that scene or the mood of the film at that time. Like, they found the perfect lyric to overlay with what's going on screen. But they didn't get whole, you know what I mean? They didn't get the big ones. I did recognize two people on the soundtrack, but for the most part, this is sort of like the K-Rock Records, like, rip-off version. Yeah, no, th- no money. These are the songs they could afford. No, I legitimately want to give a shout-out to the soundtrack producer. Arnie, come on, don't do this. Because he had no money to work with, and somehow he found songs that didn't totally suck, that found of the time, and had the right lyrics. Somehow, with no money, he found no-name artists and pulled this off. Yeah, that wanted money and would take little pieces of money and sell their song to this film. Yeah. And Rilo Kylie and Imogene Heap did go on to have careers and what have you. But by and large, I think it's easy getting people at this stage. Music is usually the cheapest thing about a movie because there are so many people willing to do it just for the exposure. Unless, of course, you actually want a known song. But yeah. Right. If you wanted Susudio, they couldn't have done it this time. This movie costs less than the rights to Susudio. And that's maybe a good thing. Although, can I just damn the score of this film? You can damn everything in this film. Go for Mm. it. Yeah, don't stop with the score. The score of this film is perhaps one of the worst I've ever heard. Does it not sound like a horse should be clopping whenever this music plays? It's like some bad country western thing? Whenever Eric the Shrink is on screen, he has his own theme. It is this music that sounds... Look, I've never watched a straight-to-video Home Alone film starring French Stewart. I've never watched a straight-to-video Inspector Gadget film starring French Stewart. But if French (laughs) Stewart is in your your directive video film it's playing this i'm like this is this music to th- for therapy like it is so bad so low rent sitcom i called it weird polka music that uh, again what where are they going for i at the very least we can agree yet again our poor gore hounds are going to be so let down by this Ain't no gore hounds being fooled into watching this thing <laughs> If you came here for the blood, and you, the sequel should be the one to do it. And like, that would be my thinking. If the first one wanted to be a little arty whatever, now that we're making the sequel, obviously it's about the kills. Obviously it's about how big can we make the carnage. You're going to be really let down. It's polka music and, yeah, voiceover. I don't know even know if they're jokes. It's just more like attitude. She's just got this attitude about, I'm the best and I hate everyone. And, yeah, we, we get a list of suspects or a list of competition for this TA position. Yeah, so we know who the victims are going to be right away. Well, I again, I'm going to argue, in the beginning, it's a mystery as to who's killing them. It, it is. Mm, I as know. soon as she introduces all her competition, I'm like, she's going to kill them. <laughs> yeah. She's the killer. Yeah. 
I agree with you. It's painfully obvious, but you do get this Gertrude Fleck kill. There's a secretary, the employee of 1999, who puts the kibosh on not only Rachel's application to be the TA, but this rich guy, Brian Leeds, who his GPA is not good enough. The problem with Rachel is she's a freshman, which makes me wonder why she's still, she's in the same class as these upperclassmen. <laughs> but the point is they've both been denied by Gertrude. Also, a 4.0 GPA isn't that impressive when you've only had one semester. Right, <laughs> agreed. But someone in a hoodie is going to kill Gertrude and both of them are wearing hoodies at certain points in this these early scenes. And when Gertrude gets it, okay, there's saying or some of the Mila at least is saying I didn't know I was doing an American Psycho movie but she is going to put a cat in the microwave and I do feel like after that whole cat with the ATM thing I'm like they had to kind of know this was going to be an American Psycho at that point mm. why, why else would you do that there are several things in this movie that echo the first movie are they coincidence or is it that I just watched them back to back I don't know but there are several things including this cat I thought the cat would explode I do not know how long you can leave a cat in a running microwave before it pops. Nobody try it, please. No one tell us how long. I don't want you to do it. No, no, please don't. But apparently it's more than a few seconds. It's not instant like we saw in Gremlins. But talking about, again, how low rent this thing is, we're not going to see kills like Gertrude takes the cat out and then someone in a hoodie attacks her. And I think there's already like blood on the microwave. Like we don't even get a splatter. Like they already put it on there for the shot. You don't see the death at all. Like it's crazy. You don't get any of the kills. It is insane. But this is the death I appreciate the most because that character of Gertrude was annoying as Fleck. I could not take her on screen (laughs) another moment. And again, if it's a comedy, if you're doing that, then it's not so different than the last movie, right? Like we just want to put up awful people and who cares whether they die or not. We're not going to have sympathy for these other people. Yeah, but because that's a satire, you're looking at a subclass of people or of society or something and satirize this is i don't know i guess it's a satirization of college maybe i don't know oof yeah i know what what is it saying about academia or criminology or serial killers i can say this much if this is the best program in america and <laughs> william shatner is telling you how every serial killer got his nickname that's a whole class oh boy I want a refund. I don't want to be the TA. I want to transfer. Yeah. William Shatner, as a criminologist, I'm going to say coming back to this movie, I had very few memories except for pain the first time I watched it. I look forward to that day. I'm disappointed in how William Shatner doesn't overdo it in this. No, this is no Priceline commercial. Mm-mm. That was the shock. I agree. He just kind of plays it straight. Yeah, he's a little bit lecherous. You know, he, he yeah. comes in with this uh, the current TA, and she's obviously pretty, and we'll later see that he's got his eyes on a blonde in the audience and gives her a heart-shaped necklace. So, yeah, I get that he's lecherous, but he's not as funny as this movie needed, frankly. No. No. I really was expecting over-the-top Shatner. I mean, he is a little bit bloated here. He's certainly not Shatner in his prime. But to be the lecherous professor, I thought he could really ham this one up. And no, he plays it fairly straight. They didn't have it in their budget to pay him enough to get to that level. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I suspect he wasn't on set very long. How long did you say the shoot was? A couple weeks? 20 days. Yeah. And in Canada, and he is Canadian. <laughs> he might have come over like for a couple hours a day, and they said, hey, let's grab this while we have it. But it, it doesn't feel like he's committed or understands or cares about the product. While I can't blame that, it would be fun to have him steal the scenes. I wish that when he were here, you were paying attention to him. Yeah. Because is Mila funny? Like No. I know why I would be rooting for Patrick Bateman, because Christian Bale held our attention. But she is not holding my attention. And once the gig is up and she finally goes on this date with this guy and they're talking about how they need to off their competition and she kills him. You say that's with a condom? That's what that rope was? That was the shock, yeah. When she goes, because they go back to her room and, oh, we need a condom. Let me go get one. She shows back up in the hoodie, starts choking Brian. And I'm like, I I thought it was just like rope or something. But no, she pulls back and it's a a condom. You can't choke someone with a condom. (laughs) No. Like there's no way. You can if you put it down their throat. but Yeah, but not wrap it around their (laughs) neck. No, it's plastic. It like expands. Like you can't choke someone with something that expands. You're at least explaining her like catchphrase of ribbed for his pleasure. Okay. Yeah, that you didn't get. That's why she said that. I didn't really. I wasn't going to. I wasn't about to rewind and experience any more of this movie than I I had to. I was like, I don't understand it, and I'm not going to. I rewound this film so many times at the beginning because I didn't understand what was said. <laughs> this film does not deserve it. <laughs> it gets exactly how long this movie is, 87 minutes. That's exactly how many minutes I'm going to give it. No more. So, yes, at this point, once he's dead, we know for certain, if we didn't know before, she's the killer. And I don't feel like she gets to... I mean, she doesn't have a lot to work with. She doesn't have the workout routine. She doesn't really have even a great plan on how to get to where she's going. Say what you will for this film, but it's efficient. Like you say, it's short, and so you don't have too much time between a kill and the moment immediately where you find out something happens that now the next person needs to be killed. It's like, so help me God, it's like a porno. You order the pizza, sex scene. Next scene, plumbing's broke sex scene i mean it's just like that so we had the scene where we saw that the rich guy might get it so we had to kill the rich guy now we're gonna have the scene at a party where we find out that and i don't know why this wouldn't have been on rachel's mind from the very beginning right but cassandra's sleeping with starkman she knows this right cassandra's telling her all about it and rachel's like please call him professor don't call him bobby as if that's the worst part of all of this. And so now she decides Cassandra's a problem that needs to be offed. Yeah, it, there's a lot about the, I mean, there's a lot about this movie that's problematic, but just <laughs> in the plotting, we had in earlier scenes when Rachel was collaborating with the dead guy, like he was like, I have pictures that are going to expose them and she'll have to bow out for the, I'm like, well, where are those pictures? Like you set up things many times in this movie and then change the rules. Well, it's supposed to trick you. This is supposed to all trick you because her whole plan is to kill the TA. So the fact that she could have killed someone or not killed someone else or blackmailed someone, the whole plan is a murder spree. So we find out at the end. Okay. So no matter who gets the job, yeah, she knows she's going to win because she's thinking bigger. Okay. That was not a thought I had. You crystallized that. I didn't recognize she was so forward thinking. They try to cram that all in with the revelations at the end, but yeah, as I'm watching this, it just, I'm going to kill the competition so I could become the TA, which, what a weird storyline for an American Psycho movie. (laughs) And there is that line where she's in class 
talking with the professor and says, what about a psychopath whose downfall is part of their plan? Yes, she did. Okay. Okay. So that should tell you right there that she knows she's going to be caught and yet she intends it. Yeah. What is her plan then? Is she so forward thinking? Why does she go to see the shrink who after like one meeting with her is like, oh, she's a sociopath. Like, I don't think that's how psychology works. Like, usually you talk to someone for a while before you form these opinions. (laughs) I hope not. I hope that they don't diagnose you as a... And then break the ethical like guidelines to call other people and say, your student is a sociopath. But I won't give you their name. Yeah, which is going to cause this weird mix-up between Starkman and Eric the Shrink. Worst episode of Three's Company ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to yeah, have that just... confusion of, he thinks you're talking about my mistress, but really it's about Rachel. Yeah, Starkman is like, oh yeah, that student I'm sleeping with, she's a sociopath? Great, that's awesome. No problem for him. But it becomes a problem when Cassandra is killed. She's the next one whacked, and so it creates this confusion that the shrink thinks... Rachel died, but actually Cassandra is the one that was strung up in a noose and Starkman is the one that finds her. So I think Rachel's plans are always built on the pride of of other people that there's no way Starkman is going to risk the affair coming out by having him report the body. So I guess this corpse just like hangs there for... Yeah, that is confusing as well because we saw Brian killed earlier, Flex been killed, Cassandra, okay, maybe no one's gone in a room to see the body, but she's been missing for a few days, I'm guessing. There's another student that's going to be killed in a library. Like, why are there not cops all over this campus? (laughs) Yeah. The weirdest kill is Keith. Like, we don't know much about him other than they get into a fight about if Ted Bundy was uh, sloppy or precise in his kills. And then she follows him to the library which I think of as being a very public place, and stabs him. Like, we even hear his screams. Is the joke that nobody goes to the library anymore? Is Is that some kind of satire? If this was American Psycho, I could see that as some kind of satire, that no one cares. That was my reading of that one. This one, it's just, it's bizarre. And they try to go back to American Psycho. We see Keith, he's got all these murderous Mm -hmm. sketches, just like Bateman did. Yeah. Yeah, that's another echo that I saw of the first film. But she almost doesn't kill him when she sees the drawings. And I'm thinking, hey, here's your scapegoat, right? You've got this guy who has psychopathic drawings. You're going to frame him for all these murders. And then you get the TA position. So when she kills him, I'm again confused because I didn't see her end game that the whole goal is kill the professor and then the TA. Right. So killing the professor was something that I never understood until now you're explaining this to me. It seems like it's gone really awry that she will uh, end up dressing up like Cassandra. Is she doing a vertigo? Is this, are they trying to do a Hitchcock here? She's mad that essentially that Starkman's response to finding out that the woman he was going to put into the position is dead is to say, I'm not going to have a TA. I'm on sabbatical, which just means he's like lying on his couch in his office and not talking to anyone. Well, he did call the shrink up for a big supply of Valium or Xanax or something. There we go. Yeah, you're (laughs) right. He's heavily medicated. And so, Rachel, what is the plan here? Help me walk through this. The plan is that the director said they wanted to have a death where you never touched the person. She's going to literally talk him to death. 
Yeah, I thought she blew him a kiss or something, and he just fell out that window. I don't know why he fell out the window. She broke him down. He was already drugged, and he she just kept tormenting him and talking about what a disappointment he'd be to his daughter and how he's a loser and lets everyone down until the point that she's literally backed him into a window and he falls out of it to his death. Stupid, stupid, fucking stupid. Yeah. And of course the janitor sees, so there will be another killing off screen. We'll never see it, but that janitor is going to end up in the garbage can. Isn't that funny, Jacob, that you see the janitor and then the punchline is he's in a garbage can? Ha! If I had seen some gratuitous death throughout this film, maybe that would have been a funny joke, but to me, this is just cheap. They don't have money to show any killing, so janitor in the garbage can. Okay, whatever. I think it's a little bit of a callback to American Psycho to that finale where he just had to keep killing whoever he ran into the street. Yep. What? No matter where Rachel is going, she's trying to drive the body somewhere, but there's a parking garage attendant and this janitor and mm-hmm. she just can't, like the bodies are just piling up. She didn't need to kill that security guard, but she like backs up after he yells at her for speeding by. Yeah, it's, and again, another death we don't see. I agree with Stuart. This is a callback to the end of American Psycho 1. Don't tell me, Mila, you didn't know. At this point in production, (laughs) somebody knew. Maybe she never saw the original film. That's what I'm guessing. She doesn't even know what American Psycho is. She wasn't hip to it. But the punchline, of course, is that security guard, she's going to take the corpse and like literally take a knife and stick it so that it looks like he's constantly waving to whoever is driving in and out. Are these jokes? I know this movie's not funny, but in isolation, would this be in better directorial hands, would stuff like that be amusing to you? I guess what I'm really saying is, is there a way of salvaging this movie if they had had more money, maybe different actors, or is all of this rotten to the core? Rotten to the core. There's not a point where I even smirk. And there's not even an idea here that I find clever. And the thing is, when you say you didn't get that her goal was to kill the professor, it's not because this movie's so clever, it's because this movie's so poorly written. I tend to think so. I mean, again, I gave this movie all the consideration of an 87 minute, like, (laughs) I gotta do this. But every now and then I saw a little bit of clever... But I'm like, I don't think that it's enough to save this movie. I know this is a very bad American Psycho movie, but I don't even think that this is a good comedy for teens. If you were looking for, like, Election or Mean Girls or something like that, like those popular movies about girls that can be bitchy to one another, this ain't it, right? No. I watched this with my wife and my two teenage daughters and didn't show my daughters that first American Psycho, but this one, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be dumb if you want to watch it. And they were not amused by it. Like they were hating on it the whole time. Okay. Good to know. I'm not surprised because I feel like bad is bad. It's a pretty universal blanket you can throw over something when you really are not liking something the way I'm not liking this movie. But (laughs) because they pissed in the water and called it American Psycho 2, you do wonder what they had before that. You know, you do wonder how people would process it if we weren't seeing it as part of a franchise. And the answer is they probably needed to call this American Psycho 2 because they had nothing that was appealing. And that's the only reason anyone would have bought this off of the shelf at Walmart. Right. It's because it has yep. American Psycho in the, and they're like, right. oh, I like that film. Let's check this one out. I'm sure there's a handful of Trekkies and a legion of Mila fans who would have done it. Mm. A legion? I don't think she had a legion at this time. 
the girl who wouldn't die. All those Family Guy fans want to see the girl who wouldn't die. Yeah, you might be on to something with Shatner, though. You're right. The, the man probably does have people that will watch anything that he does. I'm going to go out and, on a ledge and say, I don't think anyone's ever brought him this DVD to autograph at a convention. <laughs> I would think not. And again, why would you? Because even if you wanted this to be so terrible and it will be hilarious to see him stumble through this, this was not a funny... Even the, the man did a pratfall out of a window and died and it's not a laugh. Like, how did they screw that up? And then we get this Weekend at Bernie stuff with him falling around in the car. And she's like, not now, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. I did think of Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> you watch American Psycho 2 because you think this is going to be so hilariously bad. And the shocker is it's just bad. Like, I wish I were laughing at this movie. But it's just because it thinks it's funny. It's just annoying. I'm just irritated with this film constantly. But did you find it amusing when... Rachel's parents show up, and those are a couple actors who I think I've seen something. Why did they show up? It's dad's birthday. So they just show up at her college? Don't they live in New York? If she killed Patrick Bateman, that means she's from New York. But now she's in Washington. Did the parents fly over? It w- wouldn't it be more satisfying if the real Rachel's parents showed up? She's been getting away with something. We will find out that on the first day of school, she killed Rachel. She's not Rachel. She killed Rachel Newman. And now she's been masquerading as this criminology student and getting all of these A's. But we have no idea who she is. And so, like, wouldn't the joke be that her parents have come to pick her up for spring break and they're like, who are you? Oh, I'm the roommate or something. You know, like, this should be when she gets busted. Instead, what she said at the beginning of this movie was that her parents were alcoholics and hated each other and sleeping with their secretaries, but somehow we're all going to come together to to see her at college. Like, it's just inconsistent. I'm thinking that this was a twist that uh, they changed last minute. Didn't you get the sense? Maybe I'm wrong. But didn't you get the sense that the girl at the beginning was... Really, Rachel, the one that got killed? Do you know what I mean? The babysitter? So at the beginning, when we saw Patrick Bateman killing the babysitter and the little girl kills Patrick Bateman, that's a girl who claims she's going to grow up to stop serial killers and she can't wait to grow up, right? Yes. Is that Mila Kunis? Or is that the girl that Mila Kunis killed on the first day of school? Mila Kunis is how I take it. Yeah, me too. Right. But wouldn't it make more sense if it were the girl she killed? Wouldn't it make sense if that were an experience that made her a goody-goody? I mean, there's not much you could do to make this film make less sense. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I know. I'm kicking at dirt here. There's no point in in going down this path. It just seems like if you had 21 days on this film, you might just take that (laughs) one extra day to try and just... 21 days writing the script instead of the three hours. Yeah, I agree. Like, I know that there's not enough here to call it a good movie. And so maybe you do take the attitude, I've just got to get through this. It's a poison pill and I've just got to swallow it and hope I live but you can still show your talent you know even in a crappy movie you can have moments that would be well directed or funny or just create a pace with the actors a mood that's fun to watch this thing feels like everyone here hated being on set it really does Oh, I, I agree. I've I've watched, you know, some of the retrospectives you guys have done that I wasn't on, like the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies or Sleepaway right. Camp. Like there are some of those sequels that I found enjoy. They're obviously right. bad films, but I found enjoyment in them. We know it's going to be bad, but it doesn't have to hurt. <laughs> and this movie is painful. Yeah, I don't understand exactly why the film goes the way it does or has these 
allegories to parental problems because when they go out to the dad's birthday dinner, the shrink is there taking his invalid mother out too. Yeah, there's this thing where Rachel keeps making these veiled threats about his mom, and that never paid off. Like, I thought we'd see her get killed at some point. Yeah. I don't know why the shrink is in this film. I guess for the ending. Right. I wrote the entire plot summary and realized I couldn't find a reason for him, but then I felt like I had to go back and insert her. (laughs) Well, is it part of her grand design that she would lead him to think that he could write this great book? Because what's going to happen is it's the same idea of playing off his pride. He's going to figure out that she gets away with it, but he's not going to call her on it because it would mean hurting himself. Like, basically, she was right to say, you know what, Shrink, you're in this small town, you're divorced, you know everyone, and you can't have no dating options, and your best friend is your mother, and that's who you spend your time with. You're basically a loser. And so what transforms his life is her, because he gets to watch her set up all of this serial killer shenanigans here at the ending, he gets to write a bestseller and that's going to better his life. So maybe that's part of the calculation. I don't know. But this is where we're supposed to start catching the clues because the parents are like, why did he call her the wrong name? Right. And then he'll go to the police and find out that Rachel was an orphan. And why was she eating dinner with her parents then? And yeah, all of this labored attempt to realize that she's not Rachel. This is what's frustrating. So who is she, I guess, is the same theme as Patrick Bateman? No, there's no themes here. There's no themes. It's what we said about Christian Bale, that maybe he wasn't Patrick Bateman. Maybe they're trying to create that sense here with this is a character that we never even knew their real name. The frustration here is that she does have parents, but we don't know anything about her background, her real one. Right. And the Rachel she is impersonating was an orphan. So we learn nothing about these characters. It's a twist for twist's sake and not a good one at the end because of that. Yeah. It didn't have to make sense if it were funny, but I'm not laughing. That's the key. Like, say what you will about American Psycho, Christian Bale will make you smile. He has moments in there that are winning, and even though it might be a stupid movie or you hate Susudio, like, there's going to be moments that work. And here, I feel like they can't get the comedy right, so I'm focusing on all this bad plotting. But... She goes back and tells the doctor off, and because of that who's on first stuff, the doctor thought she had killed herself, but it was Cassandra who had been framed for suicide. So that's when he goes to the cops, and the cops are going to humor him by just going to check on Rachel. Yeah, we get a a climactic chase around her jogging path, conveniently. You're joking when you say climactic, right? Because I was like, oh boy, they're really going to try to have a a big chase scene now? It is technically the climax. (laughs) Yes. Old Mill Bend or whatever is where she, we saw her earlier looking down at the river and there's like a refrigerator and a bunch of garbage in there. And Yeah, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, is she going to become like an ecological environmentalist? Like, like we got to clean this up. Like, why are we looking <laughs> at a polluted river here? Because she's calculated how she's going to drive in here or at least make the car drive into here. And yes, again, the mastermind of all of it is that she creates the idea that she dies here in this moment. 
And the real Rachel's body is in there, so they're going to just assume, hey, look, we found Rachel. Right. But I am jaded when it comes to autopsies. I believe the autopsy, the most obvious of deaths. I came from a town where there were a lot of gunshot deaths, and they would do an autopsy every time, and then say on the news, the autopsy found the results of death was the seven gunshot wounds. It's like, no fucking shit. So I believe they would autopsy this corpse and find out that the necrotic flesh was like a year old older than when it should have been. Artie, you're going to nitpick this. You don't need to nitpick this film. There's plenty of big problems with yeah, it. Like. I agree. You're like looking at a small wound on a sieve. You know, like it's just like everything <laughs> is leaking out here. And so it's not about this one hole. My thesis is this hasn't been funny. If I were laughing, I wouldn't be asking these logical questions. But I guess it's some kind of joke that she ends up being Elizabeth McGuire, the original TA that everyone wanted her job. This girl thought bigger. Isn't Lizzie McGuire a Disney show? Yes. Hilary Duff. That probably is some kind of play on that. She would have been uh, on the air at this time. So it wasn't even like a nostalgia thing. Lizzie McGuire would have been a star of the Disney Channel early 2000s when this movie came out. So yes, I guess it's funny that the girl from that 70s show is trying to kill the more popular Disney girl. (laughs) And again, this man can't say anything about it because then it would mean that he didn't crack the case and his bestseller was full of lies. So... He has to just let her go off and be an FBI agent. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend American Psycho 2, All-American Girl? Jacob. I mean, this movie really got me thinking about now playing and what we do. It's about franchises. You know, what does it mean to have a franchise or a sequel? And you have something, you know, you have like diehards and death wishes where it's like, oh, we like this hero. So let's just keep putting him in similar situations and watch him blow up stuff. Or you have things like the MCU where Marvel has taken, how many films, Arnie? I'm sure you know it off the top of your head. I think it's 24. Okay, 24. I knew it was 20 plus films and has created this rich tapestry of storytelling where it's all intertwined. and, And then you have films like The Shining or 2001 like those shouldn't be franchises but they became franchises like they got sequels and they're okay like they do their own kind of thing and so it doesn't feel like a total middle finger to that original film and then you have stuff like this like oh boy again I haven't seen S. Darko but I know S. Darko's reputation and I feel like this is in that category where it's ruinous like it is a huge middle finger to what came before And look, maybe that American Psycho, it's not The Shining. It's not 2001 A Space Odyssey. But I think that's got a cult following. It's a film I really enjoy. And oh boy, to see what they try to do to turn it into a franchise here (laughs) is shocking. But the big thing is, like, I thought with William Shatner, this could be a brown arrow. Like, this could be a fun, campy, so bad it's good film. And the shock is, like, Shatner doesn't even care about this. Like, he got that paycheck. That's all he cares about. So, like, the one hope to save this film, like, it wasn't going to make it good, but it was going to make it entertaining trash was William Shatner and he doesn't care I don't care there's no reason to watch this if you like American Psycho just enjoy that film doesn't need to be a franchise we don't need to see the further adventures of Patrick Bateman or little children that were off screen as he was killing their babysitter like (laughs) don't need it don't watch this strongest and not recommends Stuart 
You know, I'm even willing to do the nice thing and just ignore that this is a quote-unquote sequel. I'm just going to pretend we're not continuing Brett Easton Ellis's Psycho Wall Street Banker, because they're not. And this has very little to do with the movie or the novel. So again, what is this then? What am I looking at? Is this Mean Girls? Is this some kind of teen comedy? Clueless? It's an epic fail, is what it is. Ultimately, this all-American girl is a lousy student of comedy who tried to turn in a book report for a novel she obviously didn't read. And that is (laughs) the problem. Like, ultimately, she didn't capture the spirit of what they were going for. I know, narratively, the whole babysitter shit. Yeah, that's stupid as hell. But you at least want to try and please the same audience, right? You want to make them laugh in the same way. Nobody that liked American Psycho is going to enjoy this film. And I dare say no one else will either. I mean, like, just you end up with an audience that is going to brandish pitchforks and come for you. You've pissed off a lot of people. You stole their money. And now, Mila Kunis, you're going to have to get out of town and run very, very far, as far as you can, in case the audience that you conned actually catches up with you. Because this is plagiarism and larcenary. And you just, you betray the audience that loved the original property. And you certainly haven't widened the tent to bring in a new generation of fans. It's an easy one not to recommend for America and the world. The strongest of not recommends for part two. You know how inept this movie is? It's called American Psycho 2, All-American Girl. And it's made in fucking Canada. (laughs) Well, the first one was made in Toronto, too. Just put it out there. But I get your point. Yeah, I, I did know that. And the director talked about choosing where to film so that it didn't look like the first film. Because... Why would you want to make it look like the movie you're sequeling? Right. I mean, it it also doesn't help that your all-American girl was born in the Soviet Union. (laughs) That is true. Mila Kunis. But then again, this isn't her worst movie. Jupiter Ascending is out there. I watched Jupiter Ascending in a heartbeat before this. Yeah, more fun to watch. Again, if we're talking about trash, this is the kind of trash you don't want to consume. Her trying to fuck a roller skating space dog? Yeah. Great. (laughs) Bumblebee people. (laughs) It's great when you say it. It's not great when you watch it. I truthfully believe, yes, this is not the most embarrassing thing Neela Kunitz has ever done. But that doesn't make it good. I don't know what she's proud about. Bad mom, I guess. Bad Moms is a really good duology. I enjoy it more than I should. Okay, I'll take your word that it's better than this. Bad Moms and Daddy's Home is like a Christmas (laughs) twofer for me. Daddy's Home gets mentioned way too much on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going near that. (laughs) But yeah, this movie is short. It has a very small cast. It's inoffensive. Its biggest sin is is its title and the fact that, yes, they did try to make a sequel to a much better film. Not a perfect film, not a film this isn't like Citizen Kane 2, but it pales so much in comparison that all I wish is that Christian Bale had shown up on set one day and just with an axe and gone after everyone the way he went after that lighting guy on the set of Terminator. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, yeah. like, you wished he was in the film, because that would have been great if the Christian Bale, ca- the, the Patrick Bateman character turns around and it's actually Christian Bale in this piece of crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That would have been good too, but oh no, strongest, strongest, strongest of not recommends. And the sad thing is, I'm the one who said we need to do this. I thought it would be funnier. My memory was Shatner hammed it up more. My memory was more of what I wanted this movie to be in Brown Arrow territory than it was in just Red Arrow territory. I apologize, but yeah, it's an extra movie. It's a free Friday. Hey, we're all alive and enjoying the world. So let's just stop thinking about this and start thinking, is there a way to save this and make it a franchise could they i mean there's no way to pick up here like obviously you don't do more direct-to-video reboots they have tried i hear in two instances first this one's a bold idea but it's not crazy broadway musical brett easton ellis actually said that his original ending for the first movie when he was scripting it with cronenberg was it was going to be a big dance scene on top of the world trade center with patrick bateman like with knives and guns and what have you why not do that on stage like i feel like this satire is broad enough that it could support and even thrive oh yeah no i think that could work yeah yeah i think it could thrive in the musical format which is always kind of silly to see people breaking into songs so if they've got Phil Collins and Huey Lewis to do the musical numbers. Oh, amazing. Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> they did do this and they got Duncan Sheik, who was a one-hit one wonder from the <laughs> 90s. I'm barely breathing. I thought that was the aughts, but yes, I know him. Yeah. Uh, well, he did go to Broadway and he did this horrible musical I got dragged to seeing called Spring Awakening. And this was the encore. And he got... The young Doctor Who, Matt Smith, to play Patrick Bateman, and it ran for a little bit in London at the end of 2013. And I guess it did come to Broadway briefly, and other than winning some technical Tony Awards, was not thought of very highly. It seems too bad, because I would have thought it should have worked, right? Like, this should have been maybe the best version of American Psycho of all, was just to do a full-blown musical, but I'm hearing not. And then the other reboot that they're still talking about, and if there's a TV network that might pull it off, it would be FX, but they're saying sequel TV series where Patrick Bateman is now a 50-year-old mentoring a new disciple in the Trump era. No, just no. That would be bad in so many ways. First of all, Trump era is over. Get over it. Let's just move on with life. Second of all, I just think that the better way to go would be to reevaluate Bateman himself, not do Bateman beyond. I mean, basically, that's what you're describing, you realize. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. Here's one thing I would say. My struggle with American Psycho in all its forms is it's really hard to have the main character play off of anyone else. You want them to have a strong foil. Otherwise, you could just say the whole thing is in their head, and after a while, that's not very satisfying. To have him have a little apprentice that could have worked. And you're right, the era passed, so I don't think they're going to make the show anymore, but they were originally talking about this when, yeah, when Trump originally got the White House is when this became a hot project. But yeah, a, a political hot potato that's easy enough to, to drop right now. I don't think that necessarily has to happen. I, You know what? American Psycho is just not one of the better satires of, of consumer culture. So I would say I'd much rather see them expand upon Fight Club or Wolf of Wall Street or something else. I just don't think that the property was ever good enough to be a franchise. Yeah, it was a fine enough one-off. And the thing is, I understand there's a lot more of that book that the movie didn't touch on. And it's been 20 years. There's no reason why you couldn't go back and readapt the novel. 
and see when you want to put it. You could make it a period piece. You could make it a modern piece. Do what you want. But there are things that could be done with the character. But everything's becoming a TV show these days. We don't need another TV show. We don't need to have him have a, a apprentice. And I think I wouldn't want to see it done unless Ellis himself got involved, if it was going to go into a different realm like that. I think Ellis would need to bring his personal and unique vision to it for that to work. I'm sure he'd be happy to. He's No one hires him anymore. I'm not a huge fan of his writing, so I don't know. They've adapted a few of his other books. Rules of Attraction is probably the best movie they've ever made of any of his works, but he was never the wonderkind author that he build to be all hype and the 80s are over what about bond why don't we go back to that franchise it's been a pretty solid one for over 60 years and the new movie has just come out this tuesday we're going to be covering finally no time to die and quiet place another property we've been waiting to cover next friday we will finally for platinum donors be able to talk about that big hit from 2018 yes that is available for our gold level donors if you head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate you can find out about all of the ways to support our show we are an independent podcast we do rely on crowdfunding from listeners like you to keep this show going to do our totally free tuesday show every single week unbroken for over a decade that is an unbelievable thing to me that we have never not released a free show in a week for over a decade plus all the bonus shows on fridays you can hear our patron exclusive shows on itunes and spotify or if you go to patreon or podbean you can become a monthly subscriber there and at a higher level get yeah the quiet place shows Paranormal Activity, Don't Breathe 2 that we did last week, the entire silver level, all the details of which tier offers which bonus podcasts available at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. And definitely check out the Patreon. We did have Tom Beeland, the artist who did our book, create some new art pieces of the three of us in new movie situations for exclusive t-shirts, coffee mugs, and prints available only through our Patreon. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, I have to return some videotapes. You'll have to excuse me. I have a lunch meeting with Cliff Huxtable at Four Seasons in 20 minutes. Pump up the volume, pump up the volume, pump up the volume, dance. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. We hope you enjoyed the show. I think it is the group's undisputed masterpiece. Help us spread the word about this show by leaving a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your podcast store of choice. If I'm not looking out for number one, then who is? Want more reviews like this one? In the archive section of NowPlayingPodcast.com, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts. I knew we should have gone to the movies. On our site, you can hear reviews for every installment in the world's biggest film franchises, including Star Wars, Batman, James Bond, Middle Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, the subject matter itself attracts some weirdos. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. So, same time next week? You bet.
Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. Sort of like Robin Hood, you know? You can donate directly by tapping the support button at nowplayingpodcast.com. Can you spell donation? And you can join our crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews. I have a schedule, a plan, a dream. I need it. Need more Now Playing? Subscribe to our In Focus weekly newsletter for exclusive digital download giveaways, celebrity interviews, behind-the-scenes insights, and more. Sign up through the subscribe page on our website and get it delivered to your inbox every Friday. Oh, very nice. Look at that. Picked them up from the printers yesterday. You can also compare notes with us on Letterboxd. Go to letterboxd.com forward slash now playing to see what our hosts are watching when they're not recording podcasts. And follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. I think that'll follow nicely. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. <laughs> I'm just a happy camper. <laughs> Rocking and a rolling. <laughs> Associate produced by Jason Latham. Some guys are just born cool, I guess. Now Playing is edited by Santiago and Arnie. Something wrong? You're sweating. Now Playing credits read by Brock. God, I could tell you anything. You'd still never know the real me. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the views of Venganza Media Incorporated. Aren't we violating some sort of privacy code here? Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Well, I could tell you that, Halberstram. But they don't have to kill you. (laughs) Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of and may not be used without the express written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2021, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Eerie. Really eerie. And while Bateman...